I'm Claire Edwards, and you're listening to Authentic Leadership, a series of conversations, insights, and inspirations with leaders who are real, raw, and authentic. Today, I bring you probably the most authentic conversation I've had the honor to be a part of since the podcast began. Our topic is leading with your truth, and my guest, Stephen Crane, shares the sometimes brutal reality of life that takes every ounce of self-leadership to get through to the other side and thrive. Though raw and at times confronting, the conversation is also filled with hope and optimism for a brighter future for all who want it and are prepared to work for it. Stephen and I connected on LinkedIn as we were both members of the same change management community And once I accepted his invitation, just followed my sense of curiosity to find out a little bit more about this man from Dayton, Ohio. When I read a little more about Stephen's story and the mission that he's on, I knew that I wanted to invite him to be in conversation for the podcast. And listen, most of what you hear today, I'm also hearing for the first time, which is unusual for me because normally I'll do a fair bit of research on guests Um, but it just feels right so and this is probably why this is one of the shortest introductions I've ever crafted for a guest. I want Stephen to be the one to share his story, his philosophy and the passion for our topic of conversation which is leading with your truth. Stephen a very warm welcome to Authentic Leadership. Thank you very, very much for having me. It's it's a pleasure. I have no idea what's going to unfold today, but I, uh, I'm, I'm embracing the unknown. <laughs> um, so, you know, be, before we dig a little bit deeper into, actually, which, which is a really important topic today about leading with your truth, um, you were in the U.S. Marine Corps, and I wondered if you might be able to share just a little bit of background about your earlier life and around the decision that you made to join the military. Yes, absolutely. So um, th- this is definitely going to be very raw and authentic, and I love it. So a little bit about my backstory of why I joined the Marine Corps, essentially. Mm-hmm. So when I was in high school, I was always a super small kid. Uh, <laughs> I am 5'4". I am very, very tiny. I was always picked on, obviously, being the small guy. Um, had a very high IQ, was always made fun of for being smart and just wanting to be left alone. And I read, I read books and I was the nerdy small guy in the corner, quintessential. That's what I was. And people, people took advantage of that. People had fun with it. And so all my life through teachers, little kids, bullies, you name it, always picked on. And I always had a very low self-esteem because of it. Growing up into high school and becoming very, very good at track and field, I went to nationals, placed, I I did very well for myself in uh, certain sports. That kind of got me a little bit more confident in my abilities and confident about, you know, what I do. And that basically, I guess, triggered something in me. And it said, 
you are capable of doing some stuff. Uh, you don't know it yet, but you are capable. And I took that to heart. I said, you know what? Well, if I was able to do this, surely I could do something a little bit more challenging. And so I looked into college. Yeah, I could have gone into college. I had a walk-on opportunity. I didn't get any special scholarships or anything like that. Um, I, had a, I had a very high GPA, graduated top of my class and everything. So that wasn't an issue. I wanted to challenge myself, though, because I knew that there was a lot of internal work I needed to yeah, do. Yeah. So I looked into the military. I evaluated the different branches. And my, <laughs> my decision Shows. was pretty simple Shows because I hardest. asked... Who was, yeah, who, who's the hardest? Like, which one of you have the lowest graduation rates? And they said, well, the Marine Corps. And I said, okay, cool. I guess sign me up. And they're like, well, it's not that simple. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I don't know what I'm getting myself into, but go ahead. What do I have to do? So I was in the delayed entry program uh, for the Marine Corps for the, you know, for a year prior to joining. And I embarked on that journey come to find out later, right? I went in the Marine Corps assuming I was just, you know, going to be macho man and I was going to do all these cool things and I was going to become more confident in myself. Mm -hmm. Come to find out years later after I got out during my, you know, recovery, during my path to awakening, if you will, I realized I was a scared little boy yeah. That was trying to reclaim my masculine energy. Yeah. I was trying to make up for the fact that my entire life I was nothing. <laughs> I I did a lot of cool things. I accomplished a ton, became a world champion. You know, I it did a ton of stuff, but I never felt good about me when I looked in the mirror because of all the bullying that I dealt with growing up from from peers, from teachers, from everyone. And that's ultimately why I decided to join. I didn't know it then, but years later, I came to that uh, understanding about my journey. So that's why I joined ultimately. Wow. Um, yeah, no, that is the first time that you shared that with me. And thank you so much for, for that. Yeah, epitomizing that absolute raw authenticity. And so that during the time that you were in the military, um, I suppose you, you hadn't yet woken up to the fact that this wasn't where the solution lay? Not at all. <laughs> um, you know, I again, I went in with the assumption of, oh, I'm going to be a macho person. Mm. I'm going to be super strong and I'm going to go in there and I'm going to do whatever I can. I'm just going to be the best at this as well. Mm. Um, and it my, how do I say this? My plan did worked out. <laughs> uh, once again, I graduated top of my class. I was meritoriously promoted. I had a really great start to my career in the military. Uh, I was picked off, hand selected for my initial position. Um, had a really great jump start, being you know meritoriously promoted and having a higher rank. Um, I was given opportunities that really no one else was given opportunities for. So everything was going well yeah. in my military career. Uh, 
for the most part, <laughs> right? Aside from the typical stuff that younger military people have to deal with. Yeah. But for the most part, I was, you know, I was doing what I thought I would be doing in the military. But yeah, plans plans change, I guess. <laughs> so, so Stephen, when when you left, where were you, sort of, mentally and emotionally with yourself? And can you tell us a little bit more about what you call that awakening and and that that realization and and what you then decided to do with it absolutely and i really i really say this is the heart of my story Mm -hmm. um because my transition was not like a lot of people's transition i'm certainly not the only person that has gone through this and i that's why i'm so passionate about what i do and who i try to help out but my story is not unique and that's the sad part but my story I was in the Marine Corps when I was getting out of the service, quote unquote, I was doing a lat move. And what a lat move is, is where you take one person from this specific job that they're doing and you transition them into a different role into the military. Mm -hmm. So for me, I was an admin chief and I was doing a ton of administration stuff. I was working with our commanding officer. I was doing all. So Stephen, sorry about that. We had a bit of a we had a bit of a, a technical issue, and you were in you you were sharing such a a personal story. But I'm gonna, you know, in in the spirit of being authentic, I'm sharing this, and I'm going to um, ask you the question again. So, so coming coming out of the the military, um, what? And and being in this space where you hadn't yet sort of had this awakening, as you were saying, what was the experience for you and, and the, you know, the transition experience, so to speak? What um, what was going on for you, say, mentally and emotionally there to, to transition? Absolutely great question. And I think I have to kind of set the stage a little bit so the core of my story as I always start off and tell people is, you know, I was in the Marine Corps and at the end of my uh, first enlistment, you have a couple different options. You could re-enlist, you could get out, or you could do what's called a lat move, which is you're moving from one position in the military to a different position, a different job. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to move from my current position, which was like administration, I was an admin chief. I worked with the commanding officer. I did their paperwork. I wanted to move from that into criminal investigations because I love puzzles. I love putting things together. And that's what I got my bachelor's in because ultimately when I got out of the military, I wanted to work for a three-letter agency. And so I was trying to put myself in that position to do that. And so I went through the process. I got my check marks from NCIS and all these other cool places And I got signed off and I got the approval and I was like, yes, so let's move forward. Well, when you go through that process, they have a psych eval, they have a physical exam, they have all these things that you have to do. And that's when my my journey came to a screeching halt. A lot of stuff started popping. 
I started being tested for a bunch of stuff and I was like, I'm, I'm fine. I don't really have any of these issues. I don't think. And he said, eh, you do <laughs> like, eh, you actually really broken. Uh, your foot's broken. Your back's messed up. You're missing discs. You have mental health problems. Like you name it. I had it. I was like, Oh wow. I had no idea I was this broken, but now that you put it in perspective, I, I guess I am broken. And so they gave me, the denial to move and they said well you could always re-enlist so i went back to my office and i said okay i guess i could re-enlist or i could get out when i was going through my re-enlistment you're only allowed to re-enlist during a certain time period and my time period uh was over because i was so busy doing the lap move i didn't focus on the re-enlisting so now I was just forced with getting out and I was like, okay, well that, that really puts a damper on my day, but you know, at least I have about a, eh, about nine months to prepare myself to get out and, you know, do this properly. Okay. That's okay. Right. I reassessed, I reclaimed everything. I was like, cool. But then I got a call very shortly after saying, Hey, during all these exams and tests, we found out that you can't re-enlist, you can't lap move, and you're so broken that really you can't do your job effectively. So we're going to med board you. We're going to put you on a medical evaluation board where we determine if you're fit for duty. If not, we medically retire you or you go back to work. Very simple. So the first six months you spend at medical you live, breathe doctors, you go through assessments, you go through physical therapy, and that's what I did. In the next six months, all I did was live at medical from 8 a.m. until 4 p.m. I was at medical doing stuff. Cool. No worries. So I went through that. At the end of the six months, that's when they place you on another six months so that you can transition out effectively get your paperwork together and all that kind of stuff well once again <laughs> mine came to a screeching halt um, come to find out later the reason why was i held a very unique billet and i was in during the drawdown so we already had skeleton crews and there wasn't many people in my position and i was holding a very unique billet so when you're in a med board your billet, your position is being held by you. And so if you're not there to fulfill your duties because you're at medical, you're one man down from the job. And when you only have a team of three people, that's a big impact. So compile all this stuff. Ultimately, they said, you got to go. <laughs> we can't extend you another six months and do your paperwork properly. We're just going to have to send you out the door. And I said, well, what does that mean? Do I get severance? Well, no. Do I get transition? No. Do I get uh, retirement pay? No. So what do I get? Oh, you get your, you get your paperwork and you just get to leave. Okay. How, how much time do I have? Oh, you have 72 hours. <laughs> oh I said, um, so here I am. I just turned 22 years old, had a bachelor's degree that I can't use because it was barred from law enforcement because of all the stuff that was wrong with me. So that's useless. I had 
experience in the administrative field, which I didn't want to be part of, but okay, nonetheless, it's experience. And I was so physically broken that I was spending so much time at medical, so I couldn't hold down a full-time job. Oh, and also I was given 72 hours notice to get off the base and lose all my benefits with nothing in place and basically living paycheck to paycheck. So quickly became homeless, <laughs> quickly lost everything, didn't have a direction that have any idea what to do or where to go. So yeah, my life turned upside down. Um, I struggled, I scraped and clawed my way back. But to answer your initial question of what was my mindset, mm. it was it was fear, it was brokenness, mm. it was depression, it was anxiety, it was regret, it was everything. I just truly felt like I was being punished for something or I was just not doing what I was supposed to be doing. Uh, and this was the universe's uh. way of saying like, either you're going to wake up and realize this or we're going to do it for you. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. Oh boy. And so how did you wake up? I mean, what was the, was there a turning point? Was it gradual? Was it, I mean, you can't get lower than the dips that you were in. I don't think. Um, did you see that there was light at the end of the tunnel? I mean, how, how, how did you turn this around? I will say the biggest way that I turned it around um, was through therapy. Um, yeah. That was a big one. I was lucky enough to have truly, and I've had numerous therapists over the years, but thankfully the one that I had at the time, um, full, full board certified psychologist, she was at absolutely life-saving and when I say yeah. life-saving I literally mean life-saving I dedicated my dissertation to her <laughs> because of the 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 impact she had on my life she was everything she was phenomenal she laid the seeds in me during our time together during the last six months of being in there mm -hmm. she laid the seeds that at the time weren't meaningful didn't really know what to do with them. I was like, okay, this is kind of like talking to an old sage that's giving me wisdom, but mm. what am I going to do with it? I, you know, I need a dollar. I don't need advice. I need a dollar. But what yeah. she was doing was in waking me up. She was literally opening up my soul and saying, hey, you in there this is who I'm talking to. I'm not talking to the Stephen that's outside right now. Mm. I'm talking to you. And I didn't realize it, but that's exactly what she did. And so the way that I turned my life around wasn't even, I mean, sure, it was a lot of grit. It was a lot of grind and hustle and no sleep and just, you know, struggling. Yeah, it was a ton of that. But what it really was again, come to find out hindsight, what it really was, was the impact that she had on my subconscious and mm -hmm. the way that I reframe my life and the way I reframe my situation. That's something that you cannot just teach someone. Yeah. <laughs> it's something that is so subtle that when you're going through the therapy 
and you're going through techniques like neurolinguistic programming and so on, that is the stuff that you will not recognize as changing you. Yeah. But one day you'll start to notice that's weird. Why am I thinking that? <laughs> this is different. I, typically I would be really stressed out, but now I'm not stressed. I wonder why. And that curiosity, uh, that that transformation that took place in me is what sparked everything that people see today. Um, it all goes back to when I was in deep, deep therapy every couple days back mm-hmm. in 2017. That's exactly what it's from. Wow. Um, and, and so the... Uh, there's so many things going through my head at the moment there's in this story because because the topic of this conversation is is leading with your truth and then i when i'm listening to you saying about there were there were truths or stories told to you in the military that you weren't aware of or that you didn't believe so by believing those stories did that impact your mindset or what, what's the difference between truth and story? So I'm, I'm going completely off script here, but I'm just fascinated. <laughs> what, what, how did, what for you then was the truth and how have you become so passionate about leading with your truth? What does that mean to you? Well, for me, when I was getting out of the military, everyone just kept saying, Oh, you need to find a job. Oh, you need to, you need to get employed. Oh, you need to work on your resume. Oh, you need to network. Oh, you need to apply for jobs. And I looked at them (laughs) kind of like a crazy person. I was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) I don't need a job. What do you, I I don't get it. Like, why are you saying I need a job? And they said, well, how else are you going to pay your bills? I'm like, yeah, but I think you're kind of missing the point here, buddy. I don't care about paying the bills. I care about keeping myself alive. Yeah, yeah. That's what's important today. <laughs> uh, you may you may think that, you know, paying bills is important, but I care about keeping my, my heartbeat going. Mm. And that's the only thing I'm concerned about. And when you are literally at the bottom barrel – when you hit that rock bottom, as people talk about, that's on Maslow's hierarchy. That's what you yeah. care about. Yeah, You care about survival. You don't care about finding a job, finding fulfillment. You know, you don't care about this stuff. Realistically, you care about not ending up dead in a ditch. You care about not ending up in an institution. You care about not being in prison. That's what you care about. And so... I focused on what I needed in the moment and what I needed in the moment was healing. And so I focused my attention on doing the therapy, Mm. (laughs) uh, devoting my time and efforts to figuring out what I am, what my story is, and then reframing my situation because my situation up to that was I, I became a world champion in sports and I wasn't fulfilled. I did very good in high school. I graduated top of my class. I, I still quote unquote failed. I yeah. graduated top of my class at, uh, at MOS school at military occupational specialty. 
I graduated top my class there. I got promoted, but I still failed. Yeah. <laughs> Here I am yeah. at the end. I got my bachelor's in three years while working full time in the military, while traveling, while doing all this stuff. I crashed. I did every, like I did everything I was supposed to, but I still failed. Mm. Here I am homeless. So in my mind and through the therapy, I looked back on my life and I'm like, if I can be quote unquote, this freaking successful Mm. like there's only one champ one world champion at a time and that was me (laughs) you know like (laughs) if i can literally be the best in the world but my life still ends up like this i think it's something to do with me i i i I fail to believe that the world is out to get me because i'm able to accomplish these amazing things in life so it has to be something with me and if I ever want to get a job and, you know, be successful, make six figures, retire, all this good stuff, I, my track record's not for me, <laughs> you know, yeah, I need yeah. to change something with myself. And that was my focus was how do I figure out my story and really what got me to where I am today? Which takes a lot of introspection and a lot of reflection and then a lot of action, <laughs> Yes, it does. It takes years of it. And people that say, oh, I did it in 30 days. Mm, mm, try again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, I did it in three months. Mm, again, try try again. Um, you know, there's gurus and yogis and there's spiritual enlightenment leaders all around the world that devote their entire life to just trying to meditate and find enlightenment. And it takes them decades. Yeah. Why do you think you're going to be any yeah. different? You know, you're devoting a couple hours a night and all of a sudden you have this epiphany. I can promise you <laughs> empirical research is behind me. I can yeah. promise you you're not having this epiphany that you think you are. You're having a light bulb go off, but that is not the universe completely shifting yeah. in your favor. So you have to keep at this. I I consider myself, you know, still on this journey yeah. of figuring out everything. And that's why I'm continuously learning and growing and spending a ton of time reflecting. But <laughs> it took me, honestly, a year straight of just focusing on myself before I got to the point where I was mentally okay to talk about my story yeah uh physically okay to put a roof over my head and spiritually okay to not cry myself asleep yeah and that's the that's the truth (laughs) and and is your truth also an acceptance that you're good enough because it sounds like there was a bit of perfectionism in there in your past or this this desire to to prove to others i don't know whether it was perfectionism or that the, the need to to prove yourself to others but is there is there now are you happy in your skin Stephen? <laughs> I, I would say how do i say i would say finally uh-huh. i am uh-huh. um finally and when i say finally i mean within this last year Wow. Um, I am, I am finally 
who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, again, it took a while. It took mm-hmm. a long time mm-hmm. to be okay telling the story and being okay with the fact that many people will say, oh, you're a liar. Oh, this can't possibly happen. Yeah. Oh, you exa- you exaggerate, you embellish. Oh, you're just seeking attention. Oh, you're just scamming people, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Like, it took me this long <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to feel comfortable enough to do yeah. these type of podcasts where I share my story. Yeah. And I don't share it because I'm like, ooh, look at me and look at how I went from homeless to riches. I do it because the same reason I'm doing a mental health uh, conference in uh, October, I was asked to speak um, for one of the foundations and the whole reason I'm doing it is because people don't feel comfortable being authentic. Yeah. They are scared and they need to hear other people's story. And even if this story doesn't impact hundreds of people, if it impacts two people, Back in the day, maybe I was one of those two people. Exactly. And now look at where I am. Yeah. So people just need to embrace their story. They need to embrace their failure. They need to embrace how ugly it is. And they need to embrace, most importantly, in most cases, you're the reason why. And that is the ugly truth. And that's leading with your truth, right? Taking that ta- taking that, um, that burden <laughs> and carrying it with you and realizing this is who I am. Mm-hmm. My decisions, my actions, my behaviors, my thoughts, my life has gotten me to this point. Yeah, there may have been some external factors. Yeah, there may have been some stuff out of my control and maybe some luck, but the vast majority of it it's how i reacted to my situation yeah and 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 i want to i want to pick up on that and i'm hearing a lot of you know there's there's still i think a lot of people who um aren't ready to face that responsibility or accountability but what what i want to pick up on is something that you said about reframing and i i learned the the sort of skill of reframing so looking at looking at my past experiences, looking at situations and being able to craft a slightly different uh, reason or story around it. And I started doing that in 1996. And I think for me, it's been life-saving because I'm able to rewrite my story in a more in, in a way that is more resourceful for me or, or more effective for me. You must have had to be, get a PhD in reframing with what, with what you've done. Tell, tell me more about how you have reframed or, or what you've done with your stories, given that no, you're talking about this is the truth, this is me looking in the mirror, this is me accepting who I am, and at the same time I can change things? It's a wonderful question, and I always use the example of my education <laughs> because anyone that knows me, anyone that's been on my LinkedIn, anyone that has read my resume or my CV, they are dumbfounded by the amount of education that I have, professional Mm -hmm. and uh, just personal development. They are blown away with the fact that I've personally, out of pocket, have spent hundreds and thousands of dollars over the last couple of years in personal development. And people, some people say I'm crazy. 
Yeah, debatable. <laughs> and some people hey, say, "Who isn't? Who isn't?" <laughs> exactly right. But some people say I'm crazy, and some people are and just admire it, and they they see it for what it is. Someone who is hungry and eager to grow and develop into their best self. Hmm. And so, for me, one of the examples I always tell people is my path to education you kind of touched on it already, you know, are you happy in your own skin? Mm. Because I certainly, I, I, one of my weaknesses is I struggle for acceptance, right? I always try to outdo people, if mm. you will. <laughs> I always try to achieve more than people so that people will look at me with importance and significance because the little kid that I once was never got that. I was yeah. never important. I was never popular. I was never special. And so I turned around and gave everyone the giant middle finger and said, watch, I'm going to show you. Yeah. And that's why I became the world champ. That's why I became top of my class. That's why I went into the Marine Corps. That's why I graduated top of my class there. You know, that's why I did all these things. And continuously, I showed them 100%. I showed them who was boss. And I could back it up. I could spit the talk. I could do everything. Want to know why? Because I delivered. But at the end of the day, what did that mean? Yeah. <laughs> nothing. It meant nothing. And so I turned it around. I said, you know what? Education. I, I'm going to outsmart all of you. Not only am I physically the best, I'm also mentally the best. Watch this. Went and got a went and got a bachelor's, went and got two masters, went and got 30 plus <laughs> for professional certifications. Now it's up to 50. Now I got two doctors, right? It, it's, it was a never ending quest to outdo people and to show people how important, how special and how worthy I am. Reframe that now, right? Because that's the bad. That's the ugly truth. That is what I was seeking validation for. Yeah. If I reframe it, though, the, and the way I've reframed it <laughs> is I looked at my education and I said, okay, I have all these cool things. What does that mean, though? What can I do with it? Mm. And obviously, you can be very pragmatic and you can say, oh, I could be this. I could do this. I can make this amount of money. But I decided to do the introspection. I decided to do the reflection and said, why am I chasing these degree certifications? Why am I doing that? What's mm. the root of it? Mm. Yeah, it's the validation. You know, yeah, it's the importance, the acceptance. But also, what is it? And this comes with the reframing, right? That's the bad, but what's the good of it? Yeah. The good of it is I have a very high IQ. <laughs> I am <laughs> naturally just very gifted i'm very blessed right i was born with an incredible brain and mm. i am hungry for knowledge i love reading i love absorbing knowledge and more importantly i love teaching i love helping other people and i truly do have the heart of a teacher and so that's the, the bad was the attention but the good was i was blessed with this strength now, how can I use it to help other people? Yeah. And so I look at all of my education now, instead of a fame, instead of, uh, you know, a, a prize, <laughs> I now look at it as a tool to help other people. Yeah. 
And that is just one example of how you can reframe your situation, your life, your experience into something that's meaningful. Because, and that's the key word, that's meaningful, because you can certainly reframe yourself and you can create whatever reality of truth that you want, but you always have to go back to your core yeah. and figure out, does this actually sit well with me? Is this resting with my soul properly? And for me, that is the truth. I was blessed with a great brain. I love knowledge. I've always been hungry for it. I suppressed it all throughout my childhood because it was mocked for it. I reclaimed that masculine energy. I thought it was because I was small. It's actually because I was never able to read a book in peace. <laughs> you know, I was never <laughs> able to seek that validation for, for my hunger for knowledge. Yes. So I went into the Marine Corps because I wanted to show other people that I was smart so I went in, I got my education to do something with it. And now that I have it, I'm able to teach others. And I'm able to help others in a really impactful way. That's wow. how I reframe stuff. Fabulous. I, lo I love what you just said. Is this resting with my soul properly? So, so let's, that's actually, that's a lovely segue into the work that you do now. So in um, a lot of the coaching that you do, I'm curious as to, and obviously not giving any names or real examples or anything like that, but in, in, when, when you're coaching um, people, what is your experience of them um, maybe not fully understanding or owning their own truth, their own story? It's, <laughs> it's the realization that their life isn't what they think it is. Mm. And that is a very ugly reality that everyone experiences, but very few people want to talk to that shadow man in the corner because mm. he's not nice. <laughs> he's there. He's always been there. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> and the only way you can get outside that room that he's trapped you in is by going through it. The yeah. people that try to drill a hole in the wall and avoid the boogeyman. Mm, sorry. It's also in a locked cage. You know, the, the yeah. people that try to climb out the window. Oh, it's a painted on window. It's not a real window. The people that try to climb up and over it. Oh, sorry. We filled it with cement, you know, the only way out of that box, and that, mind you, that box is something you've created for yeah. yourself. <laughs> we all yeah. create our own box that we live in, whether it's a good box or a bad box, it's our box. And the boogeyman is our limiting beliefs. So you help them rebuild the box? I help people get through that boogeyman. And so they can create the box that they were intended to initially have. That's the best way that I can describe it because you have to go through that boogeyman to get out. But then once you're out, the box that you decide to create for yourself is the box through reframing your truth because all that stuff, all that limiting belief, all that negativity <laughs> is in that box with the boogeyman. Everything that you have built up, everything your parents have told you, 
everything society has fed into you is in that box of negativity. You need to pack up your belongings, pack up the good, pack up everything that you want to keep, plow through that boogeyman, and then once you're out on the other side, and now you're working with a coach, you're working with therapist, you're working through a lot of this stuff, then it's time for you to create your own new box. Create your truth. And through that, you reframe the stuff that you put in that little sack. You know, your parents used to tell you, you could be anything you want to be. Obviously, there's some limitations to that sometimes, right? <laughs> but you you can be, but how do you reframe that? What did they actually mean? They meant at the core of it, whatever you put your heart and mind to, whatever you're passionate about, believe it or not, there is a way to make it work. That's what's at the core of it. And so you take that and you apply it. So again, I get people through the boogeyman and help them reframe their truth and discover that new box. You've just reminded me, I don't normally indulge myself with my own stories in this podcast, but you've just reminded me. So basically, Stephen, you tower over me because I'm four foot ten and three quarters. (laughs) (laughs) And um, all I ever wanted to be was a prima ballerina. And I I did everything as a kid. I had an illegal paper round. I washed cars, but I had to use a little step to get up and wash the cars. And anyway, I, I did everything I could to get money for private lessons. And then and then my ballet teacher told me that I'd never reach five foot four, which was the the minimum height that you needed to be to be a prima ballerina. And I just crumbled. I didn't have the skills or the resources to think, well, how else can I make this work? What else can I do? I could maybe teach or do something else. Um, but yeah, my I just let that little box crumble around me. Um, but no, I'm all good now. <laughs> it's, it's all fine. <laughs> I'm a very tall four foot ten and three quarters, believe you me. Um, so I'd love to, can you can you share a little bit more about how do you spend your professional time today? Because obviously you, you, you do some pretty, um, I, I'm not saying it's bordering on therapy, but you do some pretty deep coaching by the sound of it. Um, how else are you in, in investing your time? And I think you're probably still helping a lot of people in other ways as well. Share a little bit more of that. Absolutely. So I, I own and operate a couple different businesses, um, all of which are doing exceedingly well. I'm once again, very blessed in that and very happy to be able to do what I do. And I like to say, I kind of have three different arms. I have my veteran arm. So my way of giving back to the veteran community, I have my corporate arm. So my way of helping business owners and then my personal arm, which is what I consider my life's work, which is this exact topic, reframing your truth. And so those three arms keep me pretty busy (laughs) to say the least, (laughs) Uh, but they are all very rewarding. You know, one pays my bills. That's important. One pays my soul. That's important. And the other pays my, how do I say this? One pays my legacy. And I think that's really important as well. Because what are you going to be known for when you pass? I would like to be known for the boogeyman tackler. You know, I want to be known for the person that was able to take any situation, reframe it, make sure it it balances with someone's soul and 
let them rest easy for the rest of their life, knowing that you did the hard work, you tackled this, and now look at where you are today. Now nothing can stop you because you, you are at peace with yourself and the universe is at peace with you because you're finally where you're supposed to be in the right mindset. And I think all of us, to some degree, have there's a little boogeyman hiding somewhere. And I just need to check in with you here, um, given how um, how uh, um, passionate you are about achievement. You're not going to try and grow another five arms and be an octopus, are you? I will try my best not to. No, <laughs> I have done that in the past. Um, I certainly have managed way more than what I'm doing right now, and it was a nightmare. I had Mm. absolutely no time to myself. I had no time to invest in my my health. I had no time to invest in anything. But I feel like I'm finally to the point where I have that that perfect load of both a cognitive load of mentally what I have to do. But also, you know, a physical load of what I can accomplish and have the biggest mm-hmm. impact for uh, while retaining my energy and focusing on what I need to get done on a day to day basis. So I don't think there's an octopus in the future, uh, <laughs> but possibilities are always there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, leave the door open. And what do you do in your spare time? Tell me that you have some sort of interests or hobbies as well, apart from feeding your brain with amazing knowledge. <laughs> I love meeting with people and yeah. I love having random conversations like this. You know, I love sharing my story. I love finding ways to help other people. Yeah. Um I'm always that person that if you reach out to me and you're like, hey, you want to have a cup of coffee? I'll say, sure. And people are like, well, I didn't even tell you what we're talking about. And I said, I don't care. <laughs> you know, yeah. I am and- curious to hear you, your story, and how I can fit into that. And, and that's reflective of how you reached out to me, all the connections you have in Australia and pretty much all all around the world. It's You've got such an eclectic uh, mix of connections. And I, I just want to jump back what I was going to say before, but I was I, I wanted to jump in about the octopus. But, you know, I, I would have said if I didn't if I didn't know, my God, you've got to write a book but you are writing a book, aren't you? (laughs) Yes, I am. Okay, I want you to put it out here. Tell us what the book's about and commit to the deadline for publishing. (laughs) I will try my best. Uh, So the the title of the book, um, am am I allowed to curse? (laughs) Of course you are. It's authentic. Say what you want. The the title of the book, I am like 99% sure I'm going to go with this title, but it's called Flush the Bullshit, Reframing Your Truth. And I think that fits in perfectly with not only my personality, but really what my life's work is and what I'm trying to do. Um, mm. It's it, it certainly is a passion project. It's combining both of my dissertations it's combining all of the stories and all the people I've touched in the past. And it's combining my personal story. And it really is just kind of like my, it's my legacy, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. me in a nutshell, the people that I've inspired and helped 
my story and it's all packaged there along with kind of the steps I took on how to get to where I am. So it's also a little bit of personal development. So it's mm-hmm. a perfect eclectic bunch of everything <laughs> that I've experienced and it's being wrapped into one thing. And my goal is to have it completely done and published by fall of next year. Oh, how wonderful. Oh gosh, what an, in- it's, it, it's, it's been a, actually a roller coaster conversation in a way is, you know, being, being with you there in the dips and then, you know, coming back out there and, and, and knowing where you are today. And so what, what is the future truth and the future story for Stephen B. Crane? That's a good question. I, I really do take life day by day and that mm-hmm. has afforded me so many opportunities because I do not pigeonhole myself into any one thing. But with that being said, I'm also to the point in my life, like I talked about before, where I finally have my, you know, my three things that I'm super passionate Mm -hmm. about. I'm super passionate about helping the veterans not have to go through the homeless phase that I went through. I am super passionate about helping other business owners and entrepreneurs, especially after the, the COVID pandemic that ravished the world. I saw thousands, I mean, thousands of businesses just here in the state of Ohio go out of business and there there was nothing that they could do. They lost their life savings. And I I actually literally talked to someone yesterday and we were uh, talking and we were talking about this person has a, has a, a business in Columbus. This person had to shut their doors about six months ago and has been looking for a job ever since. I said, how long did you own that flower shop? And they said, well, it was kind of my career in a sense because I owned it for over 15 years. Uh I said, why did it go out? And he said, well, COVID. Um, No one was really going out and buying flowers and going on dates. Mm. So (laughs) there really was no need for that. And then also people thought it was the end of the world. So they were stocking up on food, not flowers. So you combine all that stuff together. And I was just kind of like a hobby business at that point. And I can't afford to keep the doors open. So Mm. I had to close them permanently and go back to work. And I'm hoping that you know, sometime over the next couple of years, I can save up enough money to go back and to do that. But there's a perfect example of someone who (laughs) their passion is being destroyed, their life's work, what they want to do is destroyed. And now they're going to have to go into corporate land where they don't want to be. Their employer is going to have to deal with them because they don't want to be there. This isn't their passion, but the thing that they want to do, the thing that they are most passionate about, that they have the biggest impact on the world of doing, they can't do. All because of something outside their control called COVID Mm. came in and destroyed it. So I'm super passionate about helping other entrepreneurs and business owners not experience that. Thankfully, knock on wood, I have never had to deal with that. But that's another area. And then lastly, of course, my personal work of coaching. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. Wow. And, and I think, you know, some people listening to this conversation, Stephen, that, you know, there might be a bit of a, an awareness or an awakening for them that maybe, gosh, have I not been living my truth? Have I not been facing up to reality? Um, I know it's a, it's, it's, it's a $64,000 question, but if there was a message or, or a piece of advice you could start with for those people who are just, this conversation's really got them thinking, what, what would you say to them? I would say, let me preface this by saying this is not a sales pitch. I am, I'm retired. I'm happy. I Mm -hmm. could never work a day in my life again. And I'm, I'm perfectly fine. Uh, So this is not a sales pitch, but I'm telling you right now, if you're listening to this, I don't care how macho you think you are. I don't care how educated you think you are. I don't care how accomplished you think you are. I don't care about any of that. You will not become the best version of you. You will not become what you're supposed to be. You will not do this stuff unless you have someone to go on that journey with you. That's the whole reason that coaches, therapists, that's the whole reason they exist is because you need someone in your corner. No matter what, no matter how great you are, Michael Jordan had a coach. Jeff Bezos has a coach. The founder of some Fortune 100 company out there has a coach. And how do I know this? Because I know the coaches that actually coach those Fortune 100 people. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> like, I know that the world leaders around the world have coaches. Why do you think you're different? Like, I know it's an ego thing because I experienced it. I know Mm. it's a lack of awareness thing because I experienced that. I know Mm. it's a humility thing. I experienced that. And most importantly, well, geez, I know that it's a painful thing because I experienced that. But I am telling you right now, you need someone in your corner. And that does not mean your old high school buddy that means someone that is professionally trained that's credentialed and that has helped someone else they need to be the person in your corner helping you guiding you and most importantly just holding that space for you to explore what you are and what your truth is and and respectfully challenging you as well Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, Stephen, thank you so much. It's been, it really has been an inspiring conversation and, um, and yes, the epitome of, of raw authenticity. And, and thank you so much for sharing your truth and the truth before, the, the truth now, the truth after. Um, how can people connect with you? What's the best way? They can reach out to me on LinkedIn. I am always on there. <laughs> I, I quite <laughs> literally live on there. So if you reach out to me on LinkedIn, just go to the search bar, type in Stephen B as in Bravo Crane. I will be probably the first one that pops up. I'm pretty sure I'm the first yeah. one that pops up, but you are. <laughs> you can find me there. Um, you can send me an email, uh, Stephen, S-T-E-V-E-N, at 
Stephen Crane, C-R-A-N-E.com. You can find me that way. Uh, any way that you want to find me, you can also just Google me <laughs> and I'm sure you'll find me. <laughs> Wonderful. And I'll, and I'll put all those details on, on the podcast show notes as well. Well, well, it's uh, it's morning for me. It's it's afternoon for you. What a great start to my day, and hopefully, um, an enlightening end to yours. <laughs> Thank you so much, Stephen. Um, my pleasure. Go well, stay well, and keep doing what you're doing. Truly a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. And we hope that this conversation provided the insights and inspiration that you were looking for. Did you know that Raw Authentic Leadership is currently ranking eighth in the top 25 Australian leadership podcasts? You can help us get to number one by heading over to Apple iTunes and doing three quick things. Subscribing, giving us a positive rating and writing a short review. This is the most effective way for us to get the key messages around 21st century leadership out into the business community. And before you go, if you or your people are needing to boost their resilience muscle and master thriving in change, then please head over to the BrainSmart website and take a look at our Dealing with Change and Building Resilience program. The website is brain-smart.com. Go well, stay safe, and keep listening and learning.